0: Hello, and welcome to AARC Perspectives, where we will talk with members of the respiratory care community and learn about the experiences caring for patients and building the profession. I'm Doug Lair, Associate Executive Director at the American Association for Respiratory Care, and will serve as your host for today's episode. Since 1947, the AARC has been leading the effort to advance the respiratory care profession and promote high-quality, cost-effective, patient-centric respiratory care. The respiratory care profession is ever-growing and evolving thanks to the dedicated respiratory therapists around the world. In today's episode, we're talking with Mr. Paul Divis, hired by the AARC Board of Directors to provide new leadership as the Interim Executive Director for the AARC. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's our pleasure. I think there are a lot of questions that will be on the minds of our listeners today. Before we can really get into the meat and potatoes of those questions, I think that people would just love to learn a little bit about who you are, your background, where you came from. Tell us a little bit about your your personal life or family life, if you're willing to share. Would you mind uh, just giving our listeners a little bit of background information on yourself?
1: Absolutely. But, But first, I'd just like to say how honored and grateful I am to be an organization that serves the respiratory care profession, you know, I believe that RTs, you know, they are on the front lines of this pandemic, and I am truly honored to be part of that organization to help grow that profession. So, first of all, I about me, uh, I call Dallas my home. It, it is where my kids grew up, but El Paso, Texas, the far west side of of Texas is where I finished high school and is where my mother and two of my sisters still live. I grew up as an army brat. Uh, I moved every two to three years during my childhood. We lived in places like Germany, Japan and Taiwan as several, and several stateside places, uh, army posts. Uh, we would always come back to El Paso, though, and that's where I call home, or I called home before uh, I went to college. Once finishing high school there in El Paso, I was fortunate enough to be uh, accepted into the United States Military Academy at West Point. And then I joined the AARC with over 30 years of experience in business and finance, having a variety of business development, operational and leadership positions throughout my career. I've had the opportunity over this time to connect business in 39 states and 26 countries. So my wife and I have three grown children, four grandsons, and another grandson on the way. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Well, Paul, you had mentioned that you were in the military, a very dig- distinguished career, by the way. Can you share with uh, our listeners today what you actually did while you were in the service? Sure,
1: sure. Happy to. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Uh, after graduating from West Point, I spent seven years on active duty and another 11 years in the Army Reserves. And I was fortunate enough to be be selected to go to flight school, and I spent a good portion of my uh, military time flying helicopters and leading aviation units. So my, my time at West Point and during my service was the, the best training ground that I think I could hope for uh, for my business career. The military instilled discipline, integrity, character, perseverance, and, and, and many other traits, In me, And I saw selfless leadership firsthand from some of the finest officers and non-commissioned officers in the Army. I didn't learn how to spell accounting or finance contracts or marketing until my civilian career started. But the lessons I learned on leadership, teamwork and character truly shaped the future, my future in the business world.
0: I think that's fantastic. If you could identify one or maybe two of the most proud attributes that you took from your military career and implement them uh, on the business side, your civilian life, as you described it, what would those be? It's a great question. I've lear- really learned about selfless leadership. Some of the the best leaders
1: that I worked for and that I got to sit at the foot of, you know, really put themselves last. And they put their soldiers first. and I, it's, it's, it's a common characteristic that we talk about, but when you see uh, leaders in the military who are, you know, and, and I was not in the, the wartime military that's going on now in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, but when, when leaders would get it last, be last in line to eat last when it came to uh, getting the, mail call or, or, or the things that uh, were important to the soldiers, you know, it really was a, a great example for me to watch firsthand. And and uh, it, it stuck with me. And I, I've, I've learned that I want to mo- model my style of leadership after that, where we make the individuals, our our staff, you know, come first and remove obstacles, remove things that inhibit their ability to do work and keep things off of their plate so that they can do the job that they are hired to do. So that, that's probably the biggest and most impressionable thing that I got from the military and and, le- and learning from the leadership that I work for.
0: Well, I know that the AARC staff at our executive office are going to be very, very happy to hear that. I mean, quite frankly, uh, if you take the same approach in collaboration with our AARC Board of Directors and putting our membership first, uh, I think you will make a very good first impression. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. So in our team meeting last week, you had an opportunity to meet with each staff member by Zoom. We are all still working remotely. And you talked about uh, the core values that you hold most dear for the people that you lead. Could you tell us a little bit about those values and why they're so important to you?
1: Yeah, I will. I mean, happy to. Thanks, Doug, for asking. You know, there's there's a myriad of core values that you can point to and that are noble and worth following. But for me, over the years, I've focused on four that seem to have served me well, and I shared them with the team when we had our first meeting together. and And I just wanted to share them because that's how I intend to model my behavior, and hope that we can all embrace these as well as uh, other core values in our everyday dealings with each other's and the membership. So. The first one is character, and it's doing the right thing first time every time, being ethical, have integrity, a moral compass, and treat others as you would like to be treated by others and be reliable and accountable. That's what I believe character is. Second one is teamwork. And if we can all work together as a team, we will collectively be successful. And and maybe I'm I'm wrong at this, but my sense is that the most talented teams don't win championships. It's the team that gets together and gels like a family that's able to overcome obstacles, setbacks, and push through adversity together that you know that comes out on top. And I believe with a great team and great teamwork, you know, we will excel above our above our playing or fighting weight. Number three is transparency. And I think transparency is the hallmark of truthful and, and accurate communications. Siloed information may give, give one an edge, but only serves to sabotage, trust, and reduce effectiveness of the organization. So I believe transparency is the foundation of, of highly effective teams. And finally, number four is fun. The most talented and capable person that doesn't enjoy their colleagues or their environment will not be an effective teammate. having fun truly frees you up to be your authentic self and contribute at the, at your highest level. so those are the four and, and that that's what i I hope to model for the team and then uh, and the team will hold me accountable and i and I will hold them accountable to as well.
0: So, Paul, I know that 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 describes your leadership style and how you're going to approach your, uh, your position here at the executive office leading the AARC, but I think what is going to be most important for those listening today are for the respiratory therapists out there who want to know what it is that you identify as a top priority or maybe some of the goals that you have from your perch or your position within the association?
1: I don't think I've been here long enough to establish meaningful goals yet. I'm working closely with you and the leadership team and the board, and, and, and it's very important to identify succinct goals and objectives. But what, like you said in the question, you know, what are my priorities? I'm, I'm more than happy to share my priorities. And my number one priority is ensure that Whatever we do, whatever we pursue is for the benefit of the membership. You don't have to look past COVID. COVID has underscored how critical the respiratory profession is for the health and wellness of our society. The implications and opportunities for the AARC, you know, are are dramatic at this time. The demand for services in education, advocacy, you know, are very robust. Serving our membership with value-added benefits matters more now than ever. So to me, that is the the top priority for for us, for, for me, and for the organization going forward. Secondly, I really want to get to know the organization from top to bottom and gain an understanding of all the systems and processes so we can find ways to make the organization more efficient, effective, and again leaning back to the number one priority is to because when we're more efficient and effective we can we can serve our membership better thirdly i want to engage with uh, all our stakeholders which includes the board of directors the state societies our corporate partners as well as the membership at large there you know there's no better way to get a sense of the pulse of the organization than from hearing the ones that are invested in our success and finally uh my you know, I, I don't, this is a, a, a big priority for me. So I, I I know it's the last one, but I want to bring the respiratory therapist to the forefront in people's mind. That's extremely important to me. And it's, you know, I've kind of made it my personal mission. I'm not a respiratory therapist, so it is easy for me to uh, to get behind and to uh, want to make that a top priority. You know, respiratory therapist, operate at the intersection of the greatest health crisis of the last 100 years. And they are the true unsung heroes of the pandemic.
0: So, Paul, those are some great priorities and goals. I know that uh, you have shared with me and with others that during the interview process, the board of directors and then subsequently after you were hired, many of the members that you've had an opportunity to uh, interact with, uh, either by email or directly over the phone, have shared with you a desire to position the respiratory therapist in a more prominent role, to make sure that their efforts as heroes in the healthcare system during the pandemic are recognized, to really make a concerted PR effort to recognize the efforts of RTs. Could you just talk a little bit about that? I know that you said that you have a personal mission, and I kind of sensed that that's where you were going with that. I just wanted to get some clarity. I've been very
1: excited about this, and we've had an opportunity to uh, share ideas with the communications and media team i think it's a just a opportunity to be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to communicating the desires of the profession to the world and i think it's not I, we've got ideas and the communications team is looking at different ways for us to bring the rt profession to the forefront of people's minds but we're still in the investigation stages i don't want to say anything uh, too specific now without us being able to flesh them out, flesh these ideas out. But let me assure you, though, that we are proceeding down that path and we may, we want to make this uh, a high priority for our communications and media team.
0: So while we're not in a position to be able to share any details or, or specifics, are you able to uh, comment that there are things in place that will be forthcoming to the membership that you're Perhaps confident they, they might be pleased with.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot here, Doug. Uh yeah, I, I I feel very confident with the the team that we have here that we can have something in the works very soon. And it, what does very soon mean? Uh yeah, you know, I hope within the next uh thirty to sixty days we we can roll out uh a media uh integrated media plan that will will serve the respiratory profession and uh, on a, on a national and local scale.
0: Excellent. Have you, and you've only been in your role now for just what going on the week three, I think, Paul, is that correct?
1: Uh, I. Yeah. You to, no, this is week four.
0: <laughs> so you're going into week four. So the profession in many ways is uh, what some would describe as a three-legged stool, the American Association for Respiratory Care, the National Board for Respiratory Care, the NBRC and COARC, the Commission uh, for the Accreditation of Respiratory Care. Have you had an opportunity to start having those those good relationships and, and have calls with leaders of both of those organizations?
1: I have. I've had the opportunity to speak with... Uh the head of MBRC and COARC. And we've had several discussions and even talked about a joint marketing campaign, which we are embarking on now. And, and I'm very excited to, to say that that may be a long-term objective or long-term result for us to where we expand the respiratory care profession in the minds of, of many. So by coming together as an organization, the three different Different organizations working together. I think we will do great things together and be able to uh, enhance for our for our membership and and for the profession as well.
0: Perfect. So we're about twenty minutes in in right now. We typically try to keep these to about thirty minutes. So I would like to take the last 10 minutes to talk about the elephant in the room. And I know you've been asked about this many times and you disclosed this at the onset of the podcast that you, in fact, are not a respiratory therapist. Can you share with us? Um, did you know what a respiratory therapist was uh, prior to taking this role?
1: No, I did not. And I, I will say that out of happens circumstances, In the last couple of weeks, I've had close contact with respiratory therapists outside of the AARC. Um, My father just passed away from COVID, and the last person with my father was a respiratory therapist. And a respiratory therapist was the one that connected us via uh, FaceTime to see my father one last time. And I can't thank that person enough because they took the time, even though when my father had passed, to to reach out to the family and I know that they were as, as heartbreaking heartbroken as I was and my family was and so I owe a huge debt of gratitude to the respiratory therapist that took care of my father in his last uh, last couple of days
0: so when we when we look back at our board of directors hiring decision to bring you on they obviously felt that you possessed a unique skill set that this organization was needing But but they also must have had a great deal of confidence that a non-respiratory therapist, this organization has been led by respiratory therapists for the last 40 or more years. So they must have uh, or you must have communicated a great deal of, of confidence in your ability to do that. So before we get into the, you know, just really digging into this a little bit deeper, could you talk about what you have done? to bring yourself up to speed and, and educate yourself. You, you obviously have a personal experience that you spoke to, but are there any other measures that you took to familiarize yourself with the profession? As, as I told
1: the team, when I, I first came here, you know, it's really important for me to, to listen, learn, and then lead. And that doesn't mean there's a, a leadership vacuum with, while I'm doing my listening and learning so that I have, we have a very strong leadership group, with including you, Doug, and 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 Shauna Strickland and Anne Marie Hummel, to continue pushing the organization forward. So, but I am doing all I can. I'm I'm working. I'm trying to meet with every. Or I'm not trying. I am meeting with every single person in the organization to get to know what they what they do, what makes them tick, and what uh, is important to them. And I am learning through osmosis and learning through listening and being around the organization and learn as much as I can. I'm reading every night. The journals that uh, AARC puts out are, are excellent. It's a lot of information. I'm drinking from a fire hose, and I'm trying to get up to speed as quickly as possible to assist you and the rest of the leadership team to really make a difference in the organization.
0: So, Paul, your experience is going to be significant in leading the organization from a business perspective, and, and we're quite, quite confident that you're going to take us to new heights from that perspective. But if but if I'm a respiratory therapist listening today and I say, uh, Mr. Divis, you can obviously uh, know how to run a business, but um, you don't necessarily know what what I do as a respiratory therapist or what my needs are as a respiratory therapist or what benefits are going to be important to me as a member of your association. How would you respond to that?
1: First of all, I, I would agree with them that I, I don't understand what a respiratory therapist goes through and what their job entails. But I will say that we have a a very strong board of directors and a very strong leadership team that are that are respiratory therapists. I will take my lead from them. I think they're the ones that have the knowledge and the empathy of exactly what's going on in the profession and we don't need a whole organization full of respiratory therapists to provide value to the membership you know we have people like you Doug people like Shauna who has a PhD to push the organization to greater heights because of uh, your experiences so i'm i'm here to help guide the organization I think if I can be a strong rudder to steer the organization, the team, the membership, our corporate partners, and the profession will all benefit. So if you work with me, you're willing to give me a chance, I think that we can show that the organization will continue to grow and support the profession in a way that uh, will benefit everyone.
0: Thank you, Paul, for that. As a member of the association, myself and an employee – It is my belief that at the end of the day, it makes no difference whether you are a respiratory therapist as long as you can help advance the profession, provide a shining light on those who serve our patients, and uh, provide benefits to our membership uh, that they feel that they need. If you can deliver on those things, I don't think anybody's going to care what, what credential you have at the end of your name. And I think that that's what's most important. Paul, before we uh, let you go today, you had sent out an open letter to our membership about 10 days ago, announcing your, your hire and kind of your intentions and, and, a, and a very vague introduction to what we're talking about today. But you, you shared with our members that uh, you have an open door. Uh, you provided people with your email address. And many of our members have have emailed you with with comments and questions. Are there any that uh, of those comments or questions that that stand out to you? Or you know, did, were there common themes in those comments from from our membership?
1: Yeah, there, there there were, Doug, and 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I've I've heard from a, a lot of the emails that I've received based on that that initial letter that went out. That they too feel the same way. That they want to see that the the RT or the or the respiratory profession is front and center in the media, and that's why I I've stressed that as one of the priorities because that's a an important aspect. And I know that because the board relayed that to me, but I'm hearing it from the membership themselves that they would like to see that as well. So that's probably. The, the common link with the majority of the emails that I have received.
0: So your contact information obviously is on our website. If somebody wants to talk to you, it's not very difficult to find how to reach out. But in that letter to the membership, you did provide your email address. Would you like to share that uh, with our audience today in the event anybody would like to reach out with uh, comments or questions?
1: Absolutely. I, I, and I'm happy to hear from each one of you, each one of the members. And I would respond, just, just make sure you give me a little bit of time. I'm, <laughs> they, when I get a whole bunch of them, it takes me a while to get through them, but I do respond to each one of them personally. You know, my email address is paul.divis at AARC.org. My last name is spelled D-I-V-I-S, not like Davis. <laughs> There's no A in there.
0: Well, Paul, thank you very much. And, and for those listening, as I said, I'm a respiratory therapist myself and an employee. Um, I really like what I've seen so far from Paul. He's asking all the right questions. He is, he's learning and providing a, a, exceptional leadership. Uh, my words don't matter though. And ultimately Paul's words won't matter though. It's all going to come down to what we can deliver on as an organization to our membership. And I would encourage you to uh, trust him to lead us along the way. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. And again, paul.divis, D-I-V-I-S at aar in the event anybody would like to reach out with you. Any closing comments?
1: No, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's been a a pleasure. And and I just want to say again, it's an honor to serve the respiratory care profession. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Paul, for taking the time to chat with me today. I know our members appreciated it as well. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about who you are, your background, and your business experience, but most importantly, how you hope to drive the profession forward. It certainly will be an exciting year with you at the helm. Thanks for listening to AARC Perspectives. Be sure to check out our show notes page for information about today's episode, as well as links to our other podcast episodes. Be sure to know when our next episode airs by subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, my friends, keep on supporting the respiratory therapy profession.